Guillermina Gonzalez, Executive Director of the Delaware Arts Alliance, your host for today. And with me, we're lucky to have Nina Oslu. Uh, she's both Chief Counsel of Government and Public Affairs at Americans for the Arts, but also the Executive Director of the Americans for the Arts Action Fund. Nina, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Guillermina. Well, a pleasure to have you. It's always uh, really, really a pleasure to have you, especially in, in challenging times because you always uh, provide guidance and it's uh, it's important to have these uh, in challenging times like the ones we're facing at this time. Uh, Certainly. But it, it got my attention that, uh, and I didn't know that, I have to say, that when checking, I realized that you combine beautifully French literature and uh, a law degree for Richmond School of Law. Uh, so how Does that connect in your personal life? Well, um, certainly the legal uh, background really helps me to form um, our advocacy arguments um, in a very um, clear, direct way with mm -hmm. a great amount of authority in terms of knowing the laws behind it and the history behind the laws, which are really some of the main reasons why we can create exceptions and why we can advocate for one thing or not is really understanding that history. And of course, the French literature is to just be able to do it with quite a good finesse. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, but no, you, you, you got it right. It gives context in a different way, and uh, certainly you help in clarify things a great deal. Uh, reason for uh, going to my next question, which is, the, could you please describe the current political climate in Washington in terms of the arts? Yes, um, uh, I'll definitely do my best. It's a um, moving target by the minute. Mm -hmm. um, but I will tell you in just uh, less than a week's time some of the, um, what the status is of how things are moving along. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Uh, since the inauguration of Donald Trump, um, he has um, um, signed several executive orders, and each day it seems like there are several more. And um, some of these orders um, may appear like they have nothing to do with the arts, but there are cases where they do. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you one example is um, the issue regarding uh, um, uh, undocumented aliens in the country. Mm -hmm. um, yesterday, uh, Donald Trump signed a, an executive order that specifically targets sanctuary cities, mm -hmm. which are <clears throat> dozens of major metropolitan cities across the country, including San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York City, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., the list goes on, mm -hmm. um, where they, are, um, they intentionally um, do not um, share communications with Homeland Security on immigration status mm -hmm. of individuals within their cities. And <clears throat> yesterday um, in the executive order, uh, Donald Trump signed something where He specifically says those cities that declare themselves as sanctuary cities mm -hmm. will be denied federal grants. Mm -hmm. And those federal grants can range everything from um, um, extra funding for police, mm -hmm. uh, for bridges and roads, but it also includes direct grants from the National Endowment for the Arts that would go to the city governments that are 
part of the sanctuary cities. So um, if, if some of your local arts councils that are part of city government mm-hmm. receive those kinds of NEA grants, mm-hmm. it's at risk. It doesn't mean it's, they're going to be denied. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a lot to be worked out, and it's certainly going to be an issue that will be taken to court and mm-hmm. probably seen at the Supreme Court level mm-hmm. in order to be adjudicated. But this is something that's at risk. Now, in terms of traditional funding mm-hmm. for the arts, um, the latest that we've heard is that there was an <clears throat> an article in the Hill newspaper, which is a daily newspaper that's primarily um, whose constituents are primarily members of Congress and Capitol Hill type lobbyists here in Washington D.C. And in this case, they did an article where they had gotten information from some key. Trump transition team staff members, um, whereby they were reporting that there would be a recommendation to the president to eliminate all funding mm-hmm. for the National Endowment for the Arts, the National Endowment for the Humanities, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And, and that um, is, it's worrisome. I mean, it's not yes. that it's happening, but at least something we truly have to pay attention to. Absolutely. This is something we definitely have to pay attention to. These are people who are purportedly staff policy people, mm-hmm. um, which are still only in the handfuls at the White House. Um, we know that they are people who are absolutely previously associated on a staff level with the Heritage Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that these are proposals that the Heritage Foundation has been putting forward for more than 20 years Um, perhaps 30 years, Um, and these are old arguments Mm -hmm. that they're kind of dusting off their shelf and putting forward to the present. Mm -hmm. And what will be so important for arts advocates like ourselves and for the general public especially, Mm -hmm. who are great supporters of the arts, is for there to be a clear message to the president that this National Endowment for the Arts is one that absolutely supports nonprofit arts organizations in their community that they value. Mm-hmm. And they are organizations that cannot go without that kind of federal funding because it helps not only support arts programming that mm-hmm. supports the community, but it also helps leverage private donations to match those federal funds. Mm-hmm. And it gets more private giving coming into the arts. Right. And being a business uh, person, probably the business argument is the thing that might resonate a little bit better uh, for him. Now, do, what do we know, Nina, in terms of his connection to the arts? Um, you're talking about President Trump? Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, he himself has always stated that he is a philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, and in addition, many newspapers have attempted to document the extent of that philanthropy, and we in particular have tried to document his philanthropy mm-hmm. to arts organizations. And it's hard to find, but he himself has said he has done it. He certainly, in his opinion of what is art, um, he certainly prides himself in making hotel properties and Mm -hmm. golf courses that integrate the arts. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So he does value it. He himself, in an interview with the Washington Post, said he values the arts. He thinks it's important not only um, within the communities, but also 
for um, the education of children, for well-rounded kids. But in terms of the federal role in funding the arts, which is where the rubber hits the road here mm-hmm. in terms of whether he will support funding for the National Endowment for the Arts, that's where the big question mark is. Right, and that's why we have a window of time, mm-hmm. probably 30 to 60 days. Starting when or finishing case. when? Pardon me? Starting the, the window you're talking about, when does it's it begin? Starting now. Starting, starting now. now until before he submits his first budget to Congress. Which is expected? Probably um, it could happen as early as the end of February or early part of March. There you go. Now, uh, implies that uh, we have to strategically think how to face this uh, potential situation. What do you suggest to do in two, uh, in two fronts? One at the federal level is one approach. The other one is certainly at the local level where states might play a, a different role, if you will. What is your advice on both instances, Nina? Yeah. Um, what, what, what is so important is making sure that people's voices and opinions who are advocates for the arts are heard in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is heard in a way that is publicly documented in newspapers. So mm-hmm. writing opinion stories okay. that appear in your local stories. And I want everyone who does this and I don't want anyone to think that their opinion doesn't matter. Every opinion matters. Mm-hmm. And the more we can do it and the more frequently we can do it in the next 30 days, mm-hmm. the better. I want to make sure that you include President Trump's name inside those editorials. Okay. I want to make sure you include the National Endowment for the Arts in those editorials mm-hmm. and a personal story of how it has impacted your life, your school, your kids, Mm -hmm. your community, Mm -hmm. that is very specific. Mm -hmm. It could be that there is an arts organization that you've gone to three or four times a year um, and you you recognize that logo of the National Endowment for the Arts on their materials because they've gotten funding from them. And you want to talk about what it's meant to go to that community-based arts organization Mm -hmm. and realizing that they've been supported by the National Endowment for the Arts. President Trump, I hope that you will continue funding this important agency that means so much to us here in Dover, Delaware. Example would be something like that. Okay. And the reason why I say put those names in there is because their staff are doing editorial searches all the time. Mm-hmm. And if and one of the keywords that they'll put in there is his mm. name. Right. And connect it with the National Endowment for the Arts, and they will be able to capture all of these editorials so it means something. I Not see. only will it be seen locally, mm-hmm. um, but it will be seen by the president and his staff. And probably maximizing the message by including in social media, since he's a natural tweeter, it sounds to me like not only editorials, which could be a, a nice point of departure, but perhaps including or adding to the efforts uh, social media slash particularly Twitter, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. And I think we all know uh, Mr. Trump's Twitter account mm-hmm. is the real Donald Trump, but he also now has one mm-hmm. as the President of the United States, which is um, his Twitter account is POTUS, P-O-T-U-S. There you go. Maybe including both, just in case. Yes, yeah. And I, I would say the jackpot would mm-hmm. be pub- um, getting published this um, opinion editorial and then linking it 
to your social media That's outreach. a good step. There you go. We'll continue the conversation, but let me re-engage with the audience to let them know that you're listening into uh, Delaware State of the Arts New Stock, 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. We have uh, the great pleasure of talking to Nina Oslu today. She's uh, Chief Counsel of Government and Public Affairs at Americans for the Arts, as well as the Executive Director of the Americans for the Arts Action Fund. Today's conversation is regarding, I would say, Nina, arts advocacy in challenging times, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so we were talking about the need of maximizing the communication where we include Mr. Trump's name and also the National Endowment for the Arts since we have perceived that it's at risk, correct? Yes, and if I could, could I add one more thing to that? Please. Uh, picking up on yes. our conversation. Could you please also add the names of your congressmen and U.S. senators? Okay. Because in the end, the appropriations that goes to the National Endowment for the Arts, and whether it happens in the end, mm -hmm. will be decided by members of Congress. Right. And so in there, when you make your plea that, it also, um, that President Trump included in his budget, you can also add how meaningful this funding has been and making sure and naming mm -hmm. your U.S. House of Representatives and your two U.S. Senators to make sure that they understand as constituents mm -hmm. of theirs that this is a very important and something very meaningful. Right. Um, understood. And, and the point is well taken, Nina. Now, um, we're talking about two fronts here. One was the federal approach that we were mentioning. Is there something, in your opinion, that at the local level has to be taken into consideration? Uh, do you suggest a different approach, maybe an extension of the federal one? What is your suggestion on that front? Um, in terms of advocacy at the local level yes. to move Local funding, is that what you mean? Uh, and also um, talking about the National Endowment for the Arts because there's translation in between what happens at the federal level and uh, the money that flows to different yes. states depending on that situation, right? Yes. Um, at the local level, um, it's, it's very important to document the impact of these kinds of funds happening within your community. And sometimes, um, well not sometimes, but what we know is that 40% of all federal funding for the arts that runs through the National Endowment for the Arts mm -hmm. runs to the state arts councils. Right. Every state, including Delaware, has a uh, division of the arts. Um, and what they do is then match it with state funds, and now you have double the funding, mm -hmm. and then they forward that on to locally based nonprofit arts organizations throughout the entire state. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is um, get a really good understanding of um, the amount of money that's coming, passing through on an annual basis um, through um, these arts organizations and what it means because the best thing we can do is to create a story, a compelling story mm -hmm. that has both facts and figures about money, but that is not going to change the hearts and minds of people. Okay. What's going to change the hearts and minds of people is those facts being um, backed up 
by compelling stories of what it means to people and why it's made a difference in their lives and why it's made a difference in their community. And please keep in mind that things don't just happen with one year's funding. This is a cumulative effect. Um, the National Endowment for the Arts just finished um, um, celebrating its 50th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Literally billions of dollars of funding for the arts have taken place over those 50 years. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine what position we would be in if we did not have that infrastructure that they built? It's the National Endowment for the Arts that helped um, create 50 state arts agencies in all mm -hmm. 50 states. Right, um, And it's um, the National Endowment for the Arts that helped also um, build out the local arts agency network across mm -hmm. the country mm -hmm. and help support the birth of so many nonprofit arts-based disciplined organizations from symphonies and museums to dance companies and theaters. Mm -hmm. um, they have an incredible history, and that history is unique to every community, and making sure um, and this information can then um, be used not only for your federal advocacy efforts, mm -hmm. but I anticipate that there is going to be a domino effect that we're already starting to see mm -hmm. where, um, where um, pot shots are being hit at the National Endowment for the Arts. It's going to give it, um, it's going to give an opportunity for those living in some more conservative states, and we're already seeing it in Mississippi and Kentucky, mm -hmm. where um, they're saying, well, maybe we don't need our state arts agency funding right. either. And what has and been so, the impact? And that could then happen at the local level. So the the quicker we can start documenting these kinds of facts, you can use it for not only your federal advocacy efforts, mm -hmm. but you're going to be able to use it for your statewide arts advocacy efforts and your local advocacy efforts. Right. Now, tell us briefly, we don't have much time, believe it or not, but uh, tell us what could be the impact, assuming the worst-case scenario, because people might not uh, have the full impact of uh, the potential ramifications of the wiping out of the National Endowment for the Arts. Could you please explain how that might be succinctly? Yeah. Um, what it could mean is you could probably see um, right now um, about 30 out of 50 of the state arts agencies across the country are matching just one-to-one -one the money that is funded by the National Endowment for the Arts. And the reason why they're doing it is specifically to be able to receive those federal funds and they're required to match it. Mm -hmm. Now, if there is no longer any funds to match it, um, there is a very serious question about whether those states would even continue funding with state money the arts if there's no federal incentive coming mm -hmm. through to match it. So I'm very concerned about a domino effect happening with no longer having state arts funding. So uh, imagine one fell swoop, you're losing your federal resources and your state resources. Right. I have more faith in your local resources because it's closest to home mm -hmm. and they see the impact directly. Right. Um, but at the same time, these communities are, are going to be facing lots of cuts that are coming down the pike through this administration. Mm -hmm. And so that does not mean that they will be able to make up the difference. And so you are going to possibly see quite a few um, arts organizations 
really suffer and they're going to look to the public to try to make up the difference through private donations, Mm -hmm. through perhaps increased ticket sales, or they're not going to be able to make it. Which is terrific. I mean, there there are many, many, in the case of the state of Delaware, uh, federally speaking, uh, the state receives 20% from the National Endowment for the Arts and 90%, I'm I'm, uh, giving you an average, comes from the General Assembly. But in any effect, um, it always affects many organizations that are already struggling. And Delaware is just an example of the different examples that are uh, out there in many states that I'm sure you are aware of. So Mm -hmm. the the domino effect is the thing that uh, you're indicating you're afraid of happening. Yes. All right. I'm very concerned about that, and I'm very concerned that um, it could happen very swiftly. Right. And um, organizations sometimes, they don't have a buffer. Mm -hmm. Um, Some do have a rainy day fund, let's call it, Mm -hmm. um, and others do not. It's year by year. It's a question of whether they're going to make it in the black or in the red. Right. And if something gets taken out from under them mm-hmm. so quickly, so swiftly, um, I'm very concerned about what the repercussions will be. Indeed. And for that, perhaps it's important to note uh, that Americans for the Arts is always a source of this arts advocacy at a national level. So do you want to give perhaps the uh, website and a phone, uh, if possible, for people interested in joining the forces? Sure. Um, Americans for the Arts, about uh, 12 years 12 years ago, started something called the Arts Action Fund. And it is a membership um, where you can join for free to stay involved, stay informed, and to take action in a unified way with colleagues across the country all together so your voice can make a difference. So what I would encourage everyone to do Mm -hmm. is to join the Arts Action Fund at www.artsactionfund.org. Right on the front page, you can join for free and stay in tune with what's happening. And um, and you will receive alerts when we know we need you. And the time is now to absolutely join. So we're ready. We need a million-person army to take this on. Thank you, Nina. With that, we have to close the show. And thank you for your time today. Bye-bye. Thank you.